Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Good morning, everyone. Why don't we give these kids a cheer as they go downstairs to Treasure Kids. Bless you guys. Well, it's great to be here. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 2. I wanted to preach a message to you this morning called The Three Wise Men. And then I looked online and I saw that Phil had preached a message called The Four Wise Men. So the title of my message is uh, The Really, Really, Really Wise Men. I thought, shall I do the five wise men? And then we could preach on it all year. This time next year, it'll be the 60 wise men. The really, really, really wise men. Uh, well, yes, I'm a little bit, um, what am I? What am I, Jane? I'm jet lagged. Is that right? Yeah, I'm jet lagged. Uh, I was in, um, uh, last Sunday I was preaching in Los Angeles somewhere. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> it's the same as here except half of them are armed. <laughs> so you've got to keep them happy. And, um, and then, uh, last Wednesday I was in Missouri, uh, preaching in a Slavic church, which is a Russian uh, speaking language. So I had a great interpreter there. The Lord healed a young man in his back uh, wonderfully, which was great. And a few days ago, I was in LA again. And uh, I, basically, I mean, all I've, all I know about LA is like, I'm 24 and Jack Bauer and things blowing up and people shooting at one another. And there wasn't any of that. So it was quite, it was quite uh, disappointing, really. Um, but I went to a place called um, Azusa Street which will be just known to maybe one or two people here as the birthplace of Pentecostalism and uh, uh, a remarkable home where in April 1906 a, a house group met to worship the Lord and uh, on a place called Bonnie Bray Street, North Bonnie Bray Street. And in that house group, uh, the Holy Spirit fell in a brand new way and uh, a man was healed there. And another lady, uh, uh, they were just sitting around uh, a table having a Bible study and they were all thrown to the floor. And uh, one of the ladies, according to the, according to the, um, the uh, tradition, uh, stood up and began to play the um, piano. She'd never played the piano before and she began to play it. And they all began to speak in other tongues. And within a few weeks, uh, the whole place, that home had become a church. And uh, part of the uh, little balcony bit that had um, collapsed because so many people were there. And uh, this in turn led to them hiring a um, an old barn building in downtown L.A. Uh, on a place called Azusa Street. And that's where the, generally speaking, where the Pentecostal revival began. That is why we are here today in this church. Uh, we are the offspring of that move of God from uh, over a hundred years ago. 
And uh, so it was exciting to be there. Of course, that building isn't there now. It's long been knocked down. But God doesn't need that building anymore because there are Azusa streets and Tennyson streets all over the world now. Can you say amen? And so there's no need for special buildings or special places uh, because all over the world, the Spirit of God is moving. Uh, yeah, I used to, uh, I used to come here a lot. Uh, I was the minister here for a, a little time. And, um, I can only hope that when you put the new doors on, I will be getting a key. Um, <laughs> but I'm not holding out for it. Uh, the sign looks lovely, although I think I will complain to the council. It's a bit too big. Um, but, um, you know, what's exciting for me, I now work at a place called Manasseh Hall where we train uh, young men and young women and not so young men and not so young women uh, um, for the ministry. And so I spend my days and most of my evenings as well um, because there are plenty of pastoral problems when everyone lives um, together. You think you've got pastoral problems and you only meet for two hours a week. You imagine if you all live together. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, thank God we don't do that. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's your wife and husband. <laughs> but um, but it's my great, uh, great, great privilege now to uh, uh, train men and women uh, in the Bible and in the tools um, of the ministry. And so I've just spent the last semester teaching. I taught three uh, subjects. I taught doctrine. I taught the New Testament uh, from uh, cover to cover. And I taught uh, how to preach as well. That was one of the other things I taught. I'm now, about, I'm now in, into semester two where I teach how to understand the Bible. And I teach a 40-hour uh, course on uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the Pentecostal history and, you know, all those, all those sorts of things. Uh, I also look after a little archive there. And so uh, I look after things like Smith Wigglesworth's private letters and things like that are all under my uh, keen observation and no one else's. Uh, so I say, can I see the letters? No. You can't. Uh, they're too private. Anyway, most of them are just rude and him just getting angry with people. And uh, there's nothing holy about them. Uh, it's just him getting angry with people most of the time. Uh, by the way, there, there's, a, there's a myth that Wigglesworth couldn't read or write. You've probably heard that preached a time and time and time again. It's complete bunkum. Uh, I've got 30 years of his private letters and he reads and writes perfectly well, has beautiful handwriting um, to boot. Um, well, let's open the word. And uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read about the, uh, the really, really, really wise men. It doesn't say there were three of them anyway. Um, and they certainly weren't kings. But we get the idea that there were three of them because of the three gifts. But actually, we don't know how many there were. There were probably um, likely to 30 of them traveling around in a kind of a caravan kind of thing with their own mobile homes, as it were. And these are the Magi uh, from the east. Okay, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, are you with me, verse 1? you with me, say I. 
Okay, after he was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, uh, probably about two years later. So, you know, in the, in the um, Christmas card, they all arrive together, don't they? Shepherds one side. Th- uh, uh, can we have the three kings on the other side, please? Smiling, you know. Shepherds, can the donkey look round at the picture? <laughs> and, but this is probably uh, two years later. It's not the same night. They didn't all, sh- I mean, Mary had enough going on, really. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you just had a baby, you, you don't want strangers showing up, do you, really? It's not really what you want. And, um, and then suddenly these three men arriving on camels over the hill. Uh, this, is probably a, this is probably a couple of years later. And um, so, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi or wise people from the east, uh, came to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, or when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he'd called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, because this is what the prophet has written. And then they begin to quote from the prophet Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler uh, who will be the shepherd, that's verse 4 of Micah 5, the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report it to me so that I too may go and worship him. Of course, that wasn't what he planned at all, was it? After this, sorry, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east, or when it arose, went ahead of them. It starts moving now. So first of all, the star had merely appeared. Now, it's moving. It's different. There's a change. That's why, no matter what, uh, internet uh, pages you may read or articles in the Daily Telegraph. This was not some astronomical occurrence. This was a supernatural occurrence. And so people sometimes get all excited. Oh, the star Bethlehem was the, was the comet of, you know, whatever. Uh, they may well have uh, recorded the appearance of some star. But this is not an ordinary comet or meteor because now it's moving. Okay? Uh, it's deliberately moving to guide the Magi um, to the exact spot. I mean, talk about a GPS. Talk about a sat-nav. Uh, you know, the planets are moving to guide you to the right location. Uh, imagine if your sat-nav was like, was like, you know, fixed on that start. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. It's moving. Cannot find satellites. Sometimes I just want to pull out the nav, open the window, go, they're up there. <laughs> That's where they were yesterday. That's where they are now. 
Now the star uh, is now moving. It went ahead of them uh, until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, you notice that? It's not the stable anymore. But on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and, and they, they, they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, another completely different bit of the story now suddenly kicks in, verse 12. Suddenly, they're not, it's, it's not a star guiding them now. Suddenly now they're being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They return to their country by another route. Okay. Well, uh, Aruna, why don't you just bring up some of these ideas that I have on the, on the PowerPoint. And uh, I want to talk to you. And in fact, you can bring them all up. Why don't we not worry about this secret bit? You know, like the preacher wants to keep his point secret. Bring them up. There they are. No, no. no. Okay, there they go. Here's what I'm going to preach about today. You can read it and go if you like, and then I'll just stay here. <laughs> Talking a bit longer. What was it that made the, uh, the wise men, there, there may have been some women among them too, but what was it that made the wise men so wise? And I want to talk about these four areas just for a few minutes before we go home today. You are going to need to be smart, aren't you? Can you say amen? You're going to need to be smart. Uh, life is uh, tough. Sometimes the Christian life is tougher than the ordinary life. Uh, not, uh, it's wonderful to have Jesus with you. But having Jesus with you can get you into more trouble uh, than if he wasn't with you. Uh, sometimes the demands of following Jesus are, are costly, especially if we do it right. If we don't do it right, it's a piece of cake. I'll show up, I'll sing Kumbaya, and I'll go home. Um. But if you do it right, it costs you everything. It costs you everything. And so um, the demands of 2016 are going to be high. And if they're not, they should be. Because following him involves everything. And it's a glorious uh, thing. You're giving yourself to the only thing that's going to last. Aren't you? The only thing that's going to last is this. The kingdom of God. It's the only thing that's going to last in this city. It's the only thing that's going to last. Nothing else is going to last. Everything else will be destroyed. But those who build the kingdom of God build something eternal. Eternal. And so I spend my days at this, at this college, some of these wonderful young people, and a couple of not so wonderful ones. But I'm building something eternal. Every day, I am changing my country. 
And I say to our students quite a lot, we are not here to mess around. We're not here to learn Hebrew and Greek, although we do. We're not here to learn uh, the Bible at a whole new level, although that's what we're trying to do. We are here to save our country. And let me tell you this morning, we are here to save our country. We're not just here to have a good time, but we're here to make a huge difference. So the demands are going to be very, very high. If I told you, okay, now we're going to save Britain, you would expect that to be a little expensive. You wouldn't think that was some small thing. And it's not. It's not. And so I want to talk about four areas of wisdom today that I think will guide us all in terms of how God's going to lead us how God is going to lead you as a church, how God is going to lead you as a team, how God is going to lead you as you lead your family, how God is going to lead you in your, in your personal life. So what was it that made the wise men wise? Were they really wise? I mean, they do a couple of dumb things. They go to Herod for a start. That's not very wise, is it? Herod, me old mate. I mean, he's the pantomime villain, isn't he? Oh, Herod, that's not so wise, boys. Not so wise. Sometimes people say the wise men couldn't possibly have been men uh, because they actually here stopped to ask for directions. <laughs> now, I don't know if that joke really works in the sat-nav era. Earlier this week, I was traveling around Los Angeles. We were trying to find Azusa Street, so the guy put his sat-nav on And who should be guiding us to Azusa Street? Who should be guiding us? But C-3PO was guiding us. Um, Oh my, you've turned the wrong way. You know, it's a a robot. Uh, uh, Anthony Daniels, the actor from Star Wars, turned left at the end. Oh my, oh dear. (laughs) I thought, I can't believe this is happening. We're looking for the birthplace of Pentecostalism. And we're being guided by a robot from Star Wars. <laughs> anyway, brilliant. I said, I can't believe you've got that. Where can I download it? <laughs> Here are four areas of uh, wisdom that I think we could all do with having um, in, our, in our life. So in no, in no particular order, let's start with the first one traditional. They were traditional. Now, first of all, let's just, let's just throw out this. There is going to come a time very soon when we are going to have to begin to love the word traditional in a way that we didn't in the 1980s. Uh, uh, we, uh, normally, churches like this one, Pentecost, charismatic churches, talk about themselves as being free of tradition. Oh, you go to a traditional church. I don't. We're free in our church. Uh, we don't like tradition. Uh, we're not in bondage to tradition. But we are free in the Holy Spirit. Well, I know exactly what people mean when they say that. But I'm telling you now, 
that we are entering into, as many of you know, you don't need me to tell you, we are entering into a period of such darkness for our country that we're going to have to start to like the word tradition once again. Because by tradition, we don't mean dead ritual. We mean that which has been entrusted to us from the apostles themselves. Passing on the traditions from one generation to another. Now, dead and dry, religious, pharisaical, legalistic tradition, of course that's no good for anyone. But there is such a thing as the inspired written word of God that does not change. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about that which has been entrusted, as Paul said, to reliable men who will be able to train others also. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for uh, correction, for teaching, training in righteousness. And we live in a culture that does not respect the, the word of God. We have to accept that as a truth. That means we need to change it. Uh, but, but, but of course, the days of people respecting the Bible are long gone. They're long gone. And what we must not do then is try to sell our community something else. Oh, you don't want the Bible? Okay, we'll find something else um, for you. No, 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 no. This is the Word of God. It endures forever. And when it comes to being wise, when it comes to being wise, you have got on your bookshelf, on your iPad, on the phone that's in your pocket right now, you have got the greatest source of wisdom you will ever find. And sometimes people say at college, uh, what's the best version of the Bible? There are so many now. You know, there's the old King James, the new King James, there's the NIV, there's the new NIV, there's the RSV, there's the, there's the BBC, there's the, uh, the, you know, there's the new century, there's the last century, there's the future century version, youth Bible, old folks Bible. What's the best version of the Bible to read? I will tell you now categorically, the best version of the Bible that exists is the one that you actually pick up and read. That's the best version. The one that you actually read is the best version of the Bible. And it doesn't matter, you can, you can have dug up the original Greek scrolls from Corinth and have them on your shelf. But if you ain't reading them, they're no good to you, are they? We're about to enter a new year. People are about to go on a diet for at least a day and a half. Aren't they? People are about to join a gym. And pay a whole lot of money and go three times. <laughs> Let me throw out to you today a New Year's resolution. Why don't you read the Bible in 2016? I'm not talking about a book about the Bible. Right? I'm not talking about a book by some Christian author. God loves you just the way you are. Where the author's on the front cover with... Plastic surgery. Uh. (laughs) 
Oh, you got that one for Christmas, did you? (laughs) Why don't you read the Bible this year? Wouldn't that change your life? Now, uh, we run something called Cover to Cover, where you read four chapters of the Bible every day, six days a week. Sunday, you get the, you you get the whole day off to listen to a very long preacher. (laughs) But, uh, but, but maybe four chapters. If you read four chapters a day, six days a week, you'd read the Bible from cover to cover and you'd be finished by early December. All right. You think, Oh, I can't possibly read all this. Yes, you can. But maybe that's what, why don't you say, I tell you what, I'm going to read the Bible from cover to cover over the next two years and I'll read two chapters a day, uh, six days a week. All right. The, it is easily done. How do you eat an elephant? One spoonful at a time. You know? <laughs> right? And I want to encourage you. The wise men were wise because they believed that the Bible was from God. And they, we know this for two reasons. Number one, because when they got to uh, Herod, when it came to, well, what's the answer to the question? Where is the Messiah? It's Micah 5 that gives the answer. They don't call in a prophet. Can you say amen? They don't call in the latest charismatic gifted person. Can you tell us where you feel Jesus may be? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling he might be somewhere near. Where? Hmm. The Lord hasn't shown me yet. No, they said, it is written in Bethlehem, in Judea. In Bethlehem, in Judea. That's where he will be found, because that's what the scripture has said. And I want to encourage you with the word traditional. It's time to be unashamed of being traditional. You've been so used to hating that word but we're going to need that word in the future. You might want to, I mean, call it something else. Call it Bible believing. Uh, call it whatever you want to call it. But as long as what you're calling it is that you believe in the authority of the word of God. The Bible is to be interpreted uh, so that we can understand it for today. But it is not to be reinterpreted to allow anything to happen today. Which is a completely different thing. It is... Uh, Written, if you just thumb back into the book of Numbers, and I want you to see uh, where they began their journey. They began their journey in the book of Numbers, chapter 24. I just encourage you just to thumb back to that in your text, Numbers 24. Um, Just a little little, um, technicality that uh, comes out of the text says this in Numbers 24 and verse 17. These wise men were probably from Babylonia. In Babylonia, the Jews had been in exile, and so copies of the Old Testament would have arrived there via the, the uh, exile under Nebuchadnezzar. And here you have in verse 17, a star will come out of Jacob and a scepter will rise out of Israel. Can you see that in verse 17? Numbers 24, 17. Uh, A star will come out of, a scepter will rise out of Jacob. Now in your 
text when we were reading the Christmas story. Some of you had this in your Bible. Uh, they saw the star in the east. And other people had, uh, in, in your Bible, you may have had, they saw the star when it rose. And it's because uh, the word to rise and the word east are the same word in the Greek language. Uh, anatole, because when, uh, when the sun rises, it rises in the east. And so it became natural in the Greek language. So the word rise is the same word as the word east. And so here, in their uh, version, it will have said something like, in their own language, a star will arise, but then the word arise would have been the word east. We saw his star in the east, will arise in the east. And so these men are in the east, and they see the star um, arising. And so they're led uh, to go and, and find him. What made these people wise, what made them wise was that they believed in the word of God. And I don't want us to be a people who say we believe the Bible from cover to cover. But then when we say, but have we read it? We go, well, no. I mean, that's just dumb, isn't it? Come on. Come on now. I, be- I believe every word. Have you read a bit of it? A bit. Right? I want to encourage you. The word of God will change your life. Will change your life. Why don't we fill Facebook with the Bible this year? Instead of, I went down and I fed the cat. (laughs) Why don't you get on Twitter and tweet out the Bible this year? Come on now. Much more valuable a thing to do. So I want to encourage you. It's nearly the 1st of January. It's time to pick up the Bible and read it. Not just sit there pretending you're reading it. Not just, well, yeah, yeah, well, I'm always reading the Bible. No, you're not, you lying thing. No, you're not. But why don't we, why don't we read the Bible this year? And for some of you, you just need to read the New Testament this year. You could, if you read one chapter, one chapter of the New Testament, every day you could read it in a year. Maybe for some, that's maybe a good place um, to start. Begin Luke chapter 1. January the 1st. All right. So they were traditional. They were traditional. They didn't have uh, strange fangled ideas. There were parts of them that had that. But they were guided by the Bible. They were guided by the Bible. What else were they guided by? Well, they were, I put here, they were childlike. I'm, I'm just plucking these out in different uh, order here. Isn't it interesting that... How foolish it must have been. Just take a moment. I wanted to imagine you're going to go and see your family. And you're going to say to them now, hello, we live in Babylonia. And what we're going to do, it's ever such a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Now just sit down, mum. Mum, sit down. We just need to tell you this. Uh, Me and the lads... We're going to go on a journey for 800 miles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got the camels. Well, no, I mean, we'll probably have a stop off on the way, won't we, lads? There'll be a service station or two along the way. 
There'll be a hot chocolate or two. We're going to go for 800 miles to Israel. Well, where are you going? Well, we don't know. Well, no, but what's your final destination? We don't really know. What? And you're the three wise men. And, and why are you going? Because we have seen a star. You just imagine mum going, I, I knew this would happen. As soon as they went to that Magi school for bright kids, I should have homeschooled them. It's 800 miles. And then back again, 1,600. That's one tired camel, in it? That's a camel that's got the ump, I tell you. It's a long way. We're following a star. You've got to be mad to believe that the supernatural can guide you. But you know what? Just between you and me, don't tell anyone. We are mad. We're not going back to the king. But we said we would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've had a dream. You've had a dream. You've had a dream. We said we'd go back to the king. Yeah, but we're not going back to the king. But we said we would. Yeah, I know. But I've had a dream. You've had a dream? Yeah. I've had a dream that we shouldn't go back to the king. So we're not going to go back to the king. Are you mad? Yes. You've got to be mad to think that you can be guided not just by tradition which is essential by the way but also by the living Holy Spirit. Now, let's, we need to get this in balance. There are two ways that you can be guided in life. In the Christian life anyway, and maybe in other ways. Number one is principle. And number two is prompting. Principle and prompting. Generally speaking, you should live your life and make your decisions by principles. Yes? What does the word of God say? Not how do I feel about this at the moment. Not... How am I sensing it? Oh, there's a beautiful guy. I feel that the Lord wants me to marry him. What about that guy over there with the two heads? I don't feel that. I'm not feeling that I should marry that guy with no money and two heads. But this guy over here, the lawyer... With the really nice face. I'm feeling God wants me to get to know him. Take control of your flesh. Generally speaking, you should live your life by principle. Can you say amen? What does the written word say? What are the, what are the written 
wise, infallible principles of the Word of God. And you can't know those unless you read it. So we're back to, we're back to square one here, right? So generally speaking, I try to live my life by principles. Because if you live by principles, you really can't go far wrong. But every now and then, and by that I do not mean every day, right? Some people have had more pictures than the Louvre. I've had a picture. You think, well, just go to an art gallery and see a few more. I've had a word. Yeah, and I want to have a word with you. Some people are constantly, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is telling me things. And you just, you think, I, I, don't, I don't want to be Mr. Unbelief. But I don't think he is speaking to you. When I was a pastor, people used to say this to me all the time. All the time. God has told me to do this. What do you think? Well, if God has told you, why are you asking me? I want to say, which God? The one in heaven or the one in your head? I'll never get invited back here again. It's a good job everyone's away for Christmas. You should live your life by principle. Can you say amen? amen. The Bible. Say the Bible. Bible. Say the word, of God. the word of God. The written word of God. The, word of God. Yeah. the, infallible, the infallible written, written word, of word of God that I'm reading. That I'm reading. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's how we should live our life. There's enough wisdom in here to guide you. Through thousands and... I mean, life's just made up of loads of decisions, isn't it? Really. When we talk about the will of God, we just mean, what decision should I make? And thousands and thousands and thousands of decisions. I read someplace that we make 17,000 decisions a day. Right? That's amazing, isn't it? So don't think we need a bit of help. There are some things that Siri does not know. But every now and then, every now and then, you also need to be prompted. Now, this doesn't happen all the time. And this doesn't really work unless you've got a foundation of the written word of God in your life. So we're not discarding the Bible and saying, Holy Spirit, come and just speak to me and and guide me, because this only really works if the foundation stones of the Bible are in your heart. That's how it works. Otherwise, it's just chaos. And everything that comes through your mind, you might think is God. And every dream that you have, you might think is God. I've had many dreams that definitely weren't God. <laughs> this week. But these wise men were foolish enough, in inverted commas, 
to believe that a star could guide them. And when the star began to move, they followed it. There are moments in our Christian life, are there not, where we have to follow the Holy Ghost. Now. God's speaking to me now. Act now. Do it now. And to be led by a dream. Now, I want you to notice, which brings us on to being open. They ask questions. All this involves seeking the advice of others as well. In the Greek, it says this. They were warned in a dream. It's in the plural. They were warned in a dream. Now, that might mean that one of them had a dream. And they were warned by it. It might also mean, and I kind of like this one maybe a little better, that they were all warned in a dream. It's plural. They, the wise men, however many there were, there could have been 20 of them, remember, were warned by a dream. And I want to encourage you in 2016, listen, listen. You, me, and everyone in here, we all need advice. I don't care how old you are, how smart you are, how experienced you are. And by the way, there's a lot of smart, experienced, and even old people in this room. But we all need advice. We do. We need advice. And so even when there was supernatural guidance, the supernatural guidance was accepted, verified, and followed by a plurality of people. They followed the star. They were warned in a dream. Now, if you're the kind of person who's constantly having zany dreams, please don't go and ask advice from other people who are guided by zany dreams. Much better to go and ask advice of people who don't have zany dreams and see what they have to say. But here you've got an example of principle and prompting. So in 2016, you are going to need to get the Bible deep down inside you like never before. There are dark, there are dark days ahead, aren't there? Come on. Dark days ahead. Really dark. Difficulties. We are now moving from a place where we were tolerated by the culture to where we are now not tolerated by the culture. And it's happened as fast as lightning. And so this is the time to say, this is where we stand. This is where we fall. Here. It's not in our music. It's not in our charismatic experience, good though that is. It's this. It's this. But we're going to need advice. The wise men go and they seek advice. And where do they get their advice from? They get it if they get it from one another. They also get it from the teachers of the law in Jerusalem. So when they show up to talk to Herod, it's not Herod that advises them. Thank God for that. He brings in the scholars and the teachers to give advice. I want to tell you this. Show me someone who's taking advice from good and godly people 
I don't mean from anyone, but from good and godly people who know the word. And I will show you a wise person. Show me someone who just wants to go it alone. I don't need anyone. God can guide me. And of course, God could guide you. But you need to read the Bible and work out how God guides. Do you know what I love most of all? I love it when there's a prophetic word. I love it when I sit under the teaching of the word of God. But you know what I love most of all? I just love being in a conversation in a costa and I hear the word of the Lord. Just in a conversation. I believe God can do that a lot. The word of God can happen up here, but it could also happen just downstairs. As we talk to one another, as we share our lives with one another, something can happen. God can speak to us. So they were traditional. They trusted in the biblical text. They were childlike, foolish enough to be guided by the supernatural. They were open. They asked questions. Do you know what? They even changed their religion. These men are probably something called Zoroastrians. It's nothing to do with those of you old enough to remember Zorro. It's nothing to do with that. Uh, we're laughing because of a, of a TV or film character called Zorro, who used to do a Z on people. Oh, by the way, I've been in the USA all week, and I have been calling it Zed, let me assure you. There have been no Zs in my language. I've been shouting out in church meetings, there should be a U in Savior. <laughs> I'm not under God's favor, I'm under his favor. Oh, I've been an irritated guest. No wonder I only had C-3PO for company. <laughs> they were Zoroastrians. That means that part of their religion was to be guided by the stars. Now, I think, I hope that most of us in here are not being guided by the stars. I assure you that Justin Topper from the sun knows nothing about your life. <laughs> nothing. But here's something interesting. Watch this. Watch this, everyone. God spoke to them in the language of their own religion. Isn't that amazing? Um, do you get that? God spoke to them in the language of their own religion. In a way that perhaps we wouldn't do that. Well, we shouldn't do that, really. He spoke to them. Through their religious ideas. And so I don't think we should be afraid. I remember visiting a little man, um, a Jewish man, lived in Cherry Hinton. And every week I used to preach the gospel to him, not from the, not from the New Testament, but from the Old. From the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm sure we could win a Muslim or two to Christ just using the Quran to win them. There are ways, that, I mean, God just used these incredible ways to reach people. Now, at the end of the day, of course, they're brought to the Bible. They're brought to the New Testament, whatever. They're brought to the Christian faith and, and its glorious creeds and, you know, whatever else. But God spoke to them through the language of their own religion. 
So number one, they were traditional. Number two, they were childlike. Number three, they were open to change their ideas, to get advice. Listen, you're going to need all three of those this year. You're going to need to ask for advice. You're going to need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. You're going to need to be steeped in the knowledge of the Bible. And finally, in no particular order, concluding with number two. It's a bit odd, isn't it? But they sacrificed everything. That funny story I told you at the beginning. Oh, mum, we're just off now. We're off. We're going to go nearly 2,000 miles. But they left their home. They left their religion. And they gave absolutely everything. Listen to me now. With this, I finish. Because they believed that when it all disappeared, when all this wisdom disappeared, what was left behind the curtain was the person of God. It isn't wisdom that they ended up with. The wisdom was the vehicle that took them to the very person of God. Did you get that? When all was said and done, what happened? They ended up looking into the face of God. That's what happened. What's 2016 all about? It's all about God. It's all about Getting everything out of our lives that would stop that journey. You're about to go on a journey. It's a journey of time. The first step is called January. The second step is called February. And so on. But the journey is a journey of getting closer to God. And I want to encourage you. As you steep yourself in the scripture. As you are open. To being guided by the Holy Spirit himself. And as you mix all of that. With seeking wisdom from others. That you would end up closer to God. Not, not, not closer to wisdom. We tell our students all the time, we are not here to master the Bible. We are here to let the Bible master us. In 2016, be smart. Can you say amen? Amen. Go on, open that Bible again. In 2016, get that Bible open. Start reading that. Get the word of God in you. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. 
and through all your conversations. Find yourself on a wise path. Because it's going to take you closer to the presence of God. Now some need to make some um, decisions here. You need, some, I think, need to decide that you're going to stop talking about believing in the Bible. Although, of course, that's good. And I want to encourage you to read it. I mean, really read it. And it, by the way, if you're reading something you, that you don't understand, then go and buy a new Bible, one that's easier to read. If you can't read it, you need to get another version. Others here may need to say, Lord, I've been a bit too, I've been a bit too much of a dreamer. I've been a bit too obsessed with being guided by my feelings and by what I thought was God's voice. Lord, will you take me back to your word? But there are others here who need to say, oh, Holy Spirit. Lord, maybe I've been a bit too stiff. Maybe I've been a bit too rigid. I want to be open to the voice of the Spirit of God in my life this year. And others may need to say, oh, I've been, I've been a bit of a lone ranger. I've not been very good at asking for advice. Or if I have, I've gone and found someone who I knew they agreed with me. And I'm going to be open to receiving wisdom. Holy Spirit, will you just come and help us today? Why don't we stand? Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.